opportunities. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. For the next few moments, I'm going to ask you to join the sermon listening team. And hopefully, uh, I have no candy to give. The only thing that I will give you for being on my team is I promise not to preach longer than 45 minutes this morning. So, um, you listen well and, and we'll, we'll move quickly. But I have a few thoughts that I want to share with you this morning about where we are right at this moment. In this passage that we're going to look at this morning, it describes a situation really exactly where we are. The people of Israel have just experienced a time of renewal and revival. We have, in this past week, experienced a time of spiritual renewal. And let me just say that if you missed any of our revival services this past week, in the early part of the week, you missed a great blessing. Pastor Revis preached powerful messages each night. The music was a blessing, and it was just a time when I, I came away feeling renewed in my heart and renewed in my soul. And so what do we do now? Well, Elijah, after he came out of a time of revival with the nation as a group on Mount Carmel, he is a little bit down. And so he goes to Mount Horeb and he encounters God and he experiences a time of spiritual renewal as an individual in that, in that situation. So that's where we are this morning. We've experienced a time of revival. So the question is, we've just had revival. What do we do now? Well, you have the opportunity to put what God has done in your life into practice. The overflow that we experience, overflow is never just for myself. The overflow is for me, but then it is to, out, it is to flow out to others. Our, our key verse in John chapter 7, that we come thirsty and we get a drink, but rivers flow out. And that's exactly what this morning is about. It's about this opportunity that we have experienced revival. What takes place now? I want you to see three things in this text this morning. It's a familiar story. God reminds Elijah that there are others besides himself. Elijah says, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one, God, who has stood for you. Don't ever fall into that Elijah mindset. Don't ever get into the mindset of, I'm a victim, I'm the only one, I'm the only Christian that's still standing for God, I'm the only one that still believes the truth, I'm the only one that's left. God said, I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. And besides that, there's at least one other over here that I want you to go, and I want you to lay your mantle on him, Elijah, and I want you to put him in the place of you. He is going to take your place when the time comes for your ministry to end. And so in verse 19 we read that Elijah departed thence. And he found Elisha the son of Shaphat. Who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said. Let me I pray thee kiss my father and my mother. And then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen. Aren't you glad we have graduated from boiling the oxen to barbecuing the oxen? And next Sunday, by the way, let me just slip this in right here. Yeah, we're going to have some good food. We're not going to boil the meat. We're going we're to cook the meat on cookers, and you're going to enjoy a great See, the church dinners were an Old Testament thing. Everybody thinks this is something that Baptists invented in the last couple hundred years. 
we've been eating a long time. Some of us more so than others, but we've been, we enjoy some good food. But he boils this, he, he takes the, the instruments of the oxen and he boils their flesh and he gives it to the people. He calls his neighbors and his workers and his family and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. It's time to get to work. It's time for us to take what God has done in our lives and begin to do something in the lives of others. What a privilege it is. And there has never been a better time to get involved in a ministry and in a place of service than right now. It's, it is so easy. I mean, you can, you can text. You can sit right where you are. Don't do this during the service because I won't know whether you're reading your Bible on your phone or you're playing Candy Crush or on Facebook ministry as was described in the early service. We don't, but you can text a, just a simple word. You can scan one of those codes. You can go to one of these tables and you can, you can learn about a ministry. You can get involved. There's never been a better time. There's never been an easier time. There are layers of ministry. There are opportunities for those that it requires a great deal of commitment. There, there are places of ministry and service that require very little and it's occasional and it doesn't have to be on a regular basis. There are those that places that it requires certain skills to be able to to serve there. And there's others where anybody can do it. There are, there are multiple places and opportunities to serve the Lord. There's no reason any Christian should sit back and say, well, I would serve if I had the opportunity. I want you to know this morning, you've got the opportunity to serve the Lord. How many of you believe that God saved you just to sit around? I say, I almost caught some of you. Some of you so used to say an Amen. But yet, how many of us tend to do that? That's our Christian life. Oh, I'll let somebody else do that. Let me tell you that one person cannot do everything, but together all of us can do so much for the work of God. In this passage, I want you to see three, three quick truths this morning. Number one, revival is over. We've had revival. What do we do now? First of all, there's a place for you to serve. There's a place for you to serve. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your skill level is, there's something that you can do. I love the fact that God is not finished with Elijah in this story. He says, Elijah, it's time for you to find somebody else. Now, if Elijah had been like a lot of us, Elijah would have found someone to take his place and then he would have walked away and, okay, here it is with you, go with God, brother, there's the job. But that's not, God's not finished with Elijah. God still has much work. There are miracles yet to be performed. There is work still for Elijah to do. I've talked in the last weeks to a number of the senior citizens and some of our folks in the church that have served for years. And I love what I heard from them. They would tell me of teaching Sunday school for years or serving in the nursery for years or doing this for so many years. And they would say, I'm not physically able to do that anymore, but I'm still serving the Lord. I'm still praying for people. I'm still involved in the prayer ministry. I'm still, I'm still sharing the gospel. I'm still encouraging. I'm going to tell you something. that There are those that you go to visit and try to encourage. And you come away more encouraged than you encouraged. Why? Because they have decided, just because I can't do all the things that I used to do, God's not finished with me. Let me tell you that as a believer, God is not done with me serving Him until He takes me home to heaven. As long as I am here, there is a work to do. There are things for me to do. 
And I love that there are places of service, there are ways to serve that you will never, ever outgrow. Just because you can't serve the way you once did, you can't do the things that you once did. God's not done with you, Elijah. God still has a plan for Elijah. But God also has a place for some Elishas. Elisha is ready to step in. And God has a place for him in this work. I love, I love this story. As God brings Elisha to be the prophet. Elisha is not a likely person for this job. Elisha is not the likely choice to follow Elijah. But God says, Elisha, there's a work for you to do. There are those who maybe don't feel qualified. You don't feel like you've got the gifts. You don't, you don't feel like you're the one that's the, the most likely for the job. Let me tell you that God does not call the most likely people for the work. He calls those who are willing to serve. One of the old preachers of years ago used to say that the greatest ability is availability. God uses those who are willing to be used. Elisha is not one of the school of the prophets. He is not one of the sons of the prophets. He's out plowing in the field. But God knows that when he calls Elisha, that Elisha is going to be willing to be used. Some of the greatest missionaries that have ever been used of God were not those that were likely to be missionaries. Those preachers that God has used were not the most likely. I know of a, a pastor who was told you should get out. You shouldn't even try to be a... You, you can't even speak straight, and some of us can't do it even now. And he, You stutter and you don't talk clear. There's no way you can ever be a pastor. And yet he pastors a church that has... He's been faithfully serving there for 30 or 40 years. And many missionaries and pastors have come out of that church. And souls have been saved. And that community has been touched for the gospel because he was faithful. Not because he was likely to be used, but because he was willing to be used of God. So don't stand back and say, oh, I can't do anything. I'm just an Elisha. God had a place for Elisha to serve. And there is a place for you to serve. There is an opportunity. There are things that you can do. A lot of us sit back and say, well, you know, I don't have this gift and I don't have that gift. And I'm, I'm glad for the opportunity to discover our spiritual gifts. It helps shape us and it helps point us to what God wants us to do. But don't think just because you're not as gifted as somebody else that God doesn't have a place for you to serve. Elijah goes to Elisha and he says, you're the one that God has called. Not only is there a place for you to serve, I will remind you there is a price for you to pay. Elisha is a man of substance. He is working on a farm, not just with one yoke of oxen, not just with two yokes of oxen, but with 12 yokes of oxen. For those of you who are mathematically challenged, that's 24. He's got a lot of wealth, and yet God calls him to let go of that. That doesn't mean that God is going to, to, for you to be involved in one of our areas of service, one of our opportunities, that doesn't mean that God's going to say that you have, to, you have to go out and sacrifice your cows. That doesn't mean that you have to go slash the tires on your car and burn your car up or, or do something crazy. That doesn't mean you have to quit your job, though God will call some people to full-time service. It means that we have to be willing to let go of what is keeping us from serving God. What is it this morning that is keeping you from being engaged in the work of God? Maybe it's that sense of, 
of inadequacy. Maybe it's that just not willing to commit the time. Whatever it is, let go of it. There is nothing dishonorable about plowing a field. But if God calls you to a place of service and you choose to follow the south end of a northbound oxen for the rest of your life, instead of being an instrument in the hand of God, then you are missing out on the opportunity to be a part of the work that God is doing. God has a place for you to serve, but there is a price to pay. There is commitment that is necessary. You have to be willing to say, God, I will do this for you. I will. God calls us to let go. Now, sometimes he lets us have those things back because he knows that we'll then use them for his glory. But in the case of Elisha, God said, Elisha, I want you to, I want you to let go. Elijah says to Elisha, what have I done to thee? It's a little hard for us. We're not always familiar with Old Testament Hebrew figures of speech. Basically, Elijah is saying, okay, you go back and tell your family goodbye, but don't you forget the importance of what has just happened to you. It's not me. It's not Elijah calling you. It is God calling you. If you agree and commit to serve, it is not Cameron Cloud calling you. It's not Tom Wagner calling you. It's not Central Baptist Church calling you. It is God calling you to serve Him. That is what we commit to. That is the commitment that is required. There's a price to be paid. But I want you to really see this morning, there is a power to be experienced. Elisha gets to be a part of something incredible. Do you remember what happens just a few chapters later when it is time for Elijah to be taken up? Elijah, Elijah says to Elisha, what do you want me to do to you? What do you ask of me? And Elisha says, give me a double portion of your spirit. Give me a double portion of your power. Why? Because he had seen that it was not Elijah that was doing the work. He had seen that it was the Spirit of God at work in Elijah, working through him. And that is what takes place when you and I come to God and we say, God, here's my five loaves and my two small, here's my, here's my small lunch. It's not much. That little boy didn't feed the multitude, but he gave what he had. And it was the power of God in a miracle that worked to feed the thousands. And God takes what we have. And when we bring it to Him and we pay the price and we give Him all that we have, then God's power begins to work in us. And God's power begins to work through us. And something amazing takes place. And Elisha says, I want a double portion of your spirit on me. I want the power of God to rest on me. I want the power of God to be on me as I greet people as they come through the doors. I want the power of God to be on me as I teach Sunday school. I want the power of God to be on me as I set up tables. I want the power of God to be on me as I move chairs or as I preach a sermon or as I sing in the choir. Why? Because it is to be a part of the power of God at work in this world. And Elisha says, I want a double portion. Do you know that in the life of Elisha, the Bible records that he performed twice as many miracles as Elijah did? God granted him his request. God worked through Elisha. And I can convince that there was never one day of Elisha's life that he said, as he's doing God's work and experiencing this amazing work that God is doing through him, man, I sure miss plowing. I sure miss those oxen. I sure wish I had never left. No, why? Because God allowed him to be a part of something bigger than himself. 
It is the power of God that moves us beyond our ability. Elisha's just a farm boy. He's just a plow boy. He's not a trained prophet. And yet God, in his power, works through Elisha to perform miracles. And we give what little bit of ability we have. More inability than ability. But we give it completely to God. And the Spirit of God works through us. And that is what we're talking about when we say, hey, here's an opportunity to serve. It's an opportunity for God to work through me. My words are of no power, but the Spirit of God working through God's Word is powerful. My efforts are human and frail and weak, but empowered by the Spirit of God, they are powerful. And I get to be a part of that. I get to be a part of God's work. It moves not just beyond our ability. It moves beyond our locality. Do you know what God does through Elisha? God not only does a mighty work in Israel, but one day there's a man that shows up at his doorstep that a little girl who was carried away captive into Syria by the enemy works as a servant in this man's house. He's a mighty general by the name of Naaman. And he's a leper. He has no means of of healing. He has no means of help. And this little girl says, man, I sure wish. I sure wish that my master could be in Israel because there's a prophet of God that has the power of God and he is able, man, he could heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman comes and God uses Elisha to not just do a work where he is, but something that exceeds to places that he would never go. I want to remind you that when we serve, when we use the opportunities that God gives us here, that our local hands leave global fingerprints. What we do here matters there. What we do serving God, God takes far beyond to places you and I will never go. And he makes a difference. And there are people who are hearing the gospel around the world because of the faithful service of people here at Central Baptist Church. Some of us will go. Some will go on mission trips. Some will go as missionaries. But there are those who will never go, yet their, their reach will far exceed their ability. Why? Because it's the power of God. And the same Holy Spirit that is at work here, the same Holy Spirit that is empowering us for our ministry and our service, is the same Holy Spirit that is communicating the gospel through missionaries around the world. And His work never ends. They used to say the sun never sets on the British Empire. I want to tell you that the sun never sets on the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. The power that we experience... It is God's power and His grace that equips us and empowers us to serve. But I want to close with this thought this morning. It is not only God's power and God's grace that equips us to serve and empowers us for that service. It is God's grace that even allows us to serve Him. It is His grace that calls us to serve Him. We serve a God. The Bible tells us that our God is an all-sufficient God. God, this is not a profound truth, folks, but in our day it seems to have slipped by. God needs nothing. 
You believe that? God needs nothing. Amen? A few of you do. God needs no one. He is all self-sufficient. And what amazes me is that a God who can do things instantly, speak the world into existence, let there be light, let there be and there was. The God who can do things instantly chooses to work through human beings that take time. And the God who can do things perfectly chooses to work through us in an imperfect way. None of us serve perfectly. And the God who is all-sufficient, the God who doesn't need us to get His work done, calls us and allows us to be a part of what He is doing. And that's the blessedness of this opportunity. That is grace. That is God saying, come and be a part of the work that I am doing. Come and experience my power working through you to do things that you're incapable of doing, to do things that you're not qualified or don't feel qualified to do, to do things that you could never imagine. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, unto him be glory where? In the church. Why? Because it is God at work through us that does things that are far beyond what we ever could have imagined. We've had revival. What do we do now? We serve. The invitation this morning is not going to be one where I invite you to come to the altar. The invitation this morning is going to be that before you leave this place, that if you don't have a place of service or maybe God is putting a place of service in your heart, you'll make sure that you stop at one of these tables and you'll get the information and you'll talk and you'll ask the questions and you will prayerfully say, God, what would you have me to do? There are many of you who are serving and doing a lot and I appreciate that. Thank you so much. We could not do 25 ministries the number of people that's necessary every single Sunday morning for us to have a service. So I'm not talking about adding to that burden. I hope that you will see the value of what you are doing in the light of this text. But maybe this morning, maybe you've just not been, for whatever reason, you've not yet found your place of opportunity. Don't walk out of this building this morning without prayerfully asking questions talking to ministry leaders, saying, Lord, here am I. Use me. Father, thank you for Elijah. Thank you that you still have a purpose and a plan for Elijah. But thank you, Lord, that you also have a place for the Elishas. And Lord, you will use us even when we're unqualified or we feel unqualified. And in fact, Lord, when we don't feel like we are able, sometimes that's the place where you can best use us. Lord, help us to serve. Help us to serve you by serving others. And as we serve here, may we leave gospel fingerprints around this world. We ask and we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake.